Welcome to OCDQ Radio, a podcast from OCDQ Blog. Obsessive Compulsive Data Quality. OCDQ Radio is a vendor neutral podcast about data quality and its related disciplines, including data governance, master data management, and business intelligence. OCDQ Radio is produced and hosted by Jim Harris, the blogger in chief at Obsessive Compulsive Data Quality. OCDQBlog.com. During this episode of OCDQ Radio, we're going to discuss getting started with big data, including the importance of having a data-oriented mindset that ambitious long-term goals should give way to more reasonable and attainable short-term objectives, and why we must always remember that big data is just another means towards solving business problems. Here to provide this sage advice is a special guest. Phil Simon is a sought-after speaker and the author of five management books. Most recently, Too Big to Ignore, The Business Case for Big Data. A recognized technology expert, Phil Simon consults companies on how to optimize their use of technology. His contributions have been featured on NBC, CNBC, ABC News, Inc. Magazine, Business Week, Huffington Post, Globe and Mail, Fast Company, Forbes, The New York Times, Read Web, and many other sites. Phil Simon, welcome back to OCDQ Radio. Hey, Jim. Thanks for having me. Well, we're thrilled to have you on because you have just written yet another book. And this one is called Too Big to Ignore, The Business Case for Big Data. And I was very happy to have a chance to talk to you about this because everyone's talking about big data these days. And in this conversation, what I'd like to focus on is in one of the chapters in your book, you give some great advice on how people can take the big plunge. That now that they've heard so much about big data and they want to figure out what they need to do to get started, I thought that that's where we could focus our discussion today. We'll start on getting started. That'll be a meta start. (laughs) Well, one of the things that you said was prerequisite for getting started with big data is asking whether or not your organization embraces a data-oriented mindset. Can you explain what you mean by that? First off, it's not imperative that the entire organization is on board. You can definitely use big data in pockets of the organization without really installing any software or hardware. But in order for, I think, big data to really gain traction within a company, you have to ask yourself, do we make decisions routinely based on data, or is this more of a hunch type of organization? You can do all the work you want with big data and prove the secret to eternal success, but if people say, well, I want what I want when I want it, that's kind of difficult to overcome. As Drucker once said, culture eats strategy for lunch. Recognizing the importance of big data, I think, is really essential. But it doesn't happen in a vacuum. Technology exists within the context of an organization. And organizations hell-bent on ignoring data, big or small, probably aren't going to get a great deal out of any of the tools that I mentioned in the book. Well, that's an excellent point. Long before we started getting attacked by the data deluge, obviously data has been around in smaller volumes and in much more structured forms. But there does seem to be some divide that 
Some people are, are naturally inclined to using data or looking at data. And it does seem to make sense that if you're an organization that is used to doing that, even if it's something as simple as looking at Excel spreadsheets, at least you're looking at data. That is much better than always going with your intuition or a hunch. So if you're using data effectively now in smaller quantities and less variety, that's probably a good indication that you at least have the right mindset to get started with big data. Oh, absolutely. It's a definitely a difference of magnitude. Looking at structured data in Excel, as you and I have done for many years, can absolutely help solve a problem or bring insights into a particular business issue. So it's definitely a little bit different, but fundamentally it is information. Intuition is still important. I don't think that big data solves all problems. It's not an elixir. But you are recognizing that my personal belief may or may not be wrong. Why don't we look at some information to either prove or disprove that? Big data is different than Excel and small data and relational databases by an order of magnitude. But as you know, it, it's still data. It's just the adjective or modifier, whether it's structured, semi-structured, unstructured, whatever. It is still data. And one of the points I try to make in the book is that we are constantly generating and consuming data. We need to start thinking in terms of ones and zeros. When you're watching Netflix, you are consuming and generating data. Yeah, it's one of those weird things that data went from being something that only data geeks like me would worry about to something that no one thinks about because they're surrounded by it so much. When people are using their mobile phones or when they're using things like Facebook or Amazon or Google, you know, they're immersed in a data-driven environment, even though they might not take a step back and think about that, like how Netflix makes its recommendations or how Amazon recommends books or how Google finds the best websites for you to match your search terms. I think people have just gotten so used to it that they're almost surprised when they stop and say, oh yeah, that must be data back there that's making all that magic happen. <laughs> I agree with you. And in my last book, I was pretty much a Google fanboy, although I pointed out a few problems with Google being evil. But when Eric Schmidt said, we basically know where you are, we know what you're doing, we know what you're thinking, he regretted having said it, but, but it is very much true. I mean, these companies you know, like Netflix have a scary ability to predict what you're likely to enjoy and what you're not. So it, you're right. It's almost an afterthought. But once you realize that companies like Amazon, Apple, Facebook, Google, even to some extent Twitter, based on what you tweet, know you pretty well, that there's tremendous opportunity. But there's also that issue that I talk about in uh, Chapter 7 of the book with privacy and security. It, it can get a little icky. It definitely can. And I think privacy is one legitimate naysaying category because there are definitely a lot of data privacy concerns. But I think some other naysayers say, well, big data thing really isn't that important. But you actually use a lot of great case studies and examples in the book about how there are some analysis that really requires both big data and an open mind, something that you really can't figure out on your own and you can't really figure out without looking at a lot of data. You included one example in the book about how Walmart, which we typically don't think of as a data-driven company, found an interesting correlation between hurricanes, beer, and Pop-Tarts. Walmart crunched its numbers and determined that for whatever reason, when there was a hurricane warning, people went out and bought beer and strawberry Pop-Tarts. They didn't understand why, but they knew it was happening, so they configured their inventory systems to automatically order extra volumes of each product when there was the threat of a hurricane, and that was configured with the National Weather Service. So no one had to put the order in, it just happened, which I think underscores the larger point, which is it's interesting to know why, 
but that isn't necessarily essential. We're not talking about running a randomized test. Walmart's a big company, but I'm fairly certain that they don't have the ability to put hurricanes in the middle of uh, the desert and see if that actually still happens here where I live in Las Vegas. So <laughs> it's, in, it's interesting to know why, and you can have theories, and, and to your point, you can look at the data to try to run regression analysis. But knowing why, to me, isn't essential. That's what's driving your business. What do you think? I agree. Maybe the why was a little bit more of a focus when we had less data and we can spend more time trying to dig deeper into it. But sometimes it's not as important to know why as long as it works. And going back to your earlier point about intuition versus being data-oriented, you would think a retailer would say, well, gee, during a hurricane or any type of emergency like that, it would seem to make sense that people would want maybe bottled water and batteries. I don't think anyone would have guessed beer and Pop-Tarts off the top of their head. <laughs> right. And, and as you know, if, if you know that something is happening, then you can go back and look for reasons to explain it. That's a lot different than being able to predict it. I agree with you. If you were the person responsible at a large retailer and you knew a hurricane was coming, it would be completely logical for you to order batteries and tuna fish and bottled water because those are staples. You would have probably been fired for ordering strawberry Pop-Tarts and beer. But knowing now what we didn't know then, it's very easy for us to say, well, you know, this is happening, uh, even if we don't understand why. So even though I think, and I make this point in the book as well, big data increases our ability to predict. It certainly doesn't guarantee accurate predictions. Well, certainly not. But in, in that Walmart example, the why is basically because, well, it's been proven in the data that people buy more of those products during hurricanes. So necessarily you have to go further and ask why people want to buy those particular products, but the sales data shows that's what they like to do. And it's actually one of the things that, that some people need to get, I guess, adjusted to a little bit in the data-oriented mindset, that data can be used for more than one purpose. Some people would say, oh, well, you have a sales transaction and a retailer, you want to know how many people are buying things so you can count up whether or not you're making a profit. But reusing all of that same sales transaction data to see if you can find some trends can allow you to reuse that data and find new insights, just like Amazon does. It's not just executing a transaction to sell you a book or a product, but it's also relying on these large amounts of previous transactions to say that, hey, when people bought too big to ignore, they also bought the age of the platform. Or when people bought a new iPad, they happened to also buy these particular accessories. And they're not just guessing, they're actually looking at what people actually purchase. The way I look at it, companies like Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google do a very good job with their transactional data, but they marry it with the big data, the unstructured stuff, as well as the metadata. And when you put all of those things together, you're absolutely right. You get an email, and yes, it's very easy to say, oh, I liked Rush's last album, maybe I'll like Rush's next album. That's very simple. That doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out. But what if there are hidden patterns and there's some obscure band? I know sites like Pandora and Netflix have recommended songs and movies respectively based on my patterns or tags, metadata, whatever. And I go, wow, that, that's a great recommendation. There's no way I would have ever heard of that band or of that movie. Like you said, it's not a perfect prediction, but it definitely brings more possibilities to the surface than you would have seen otherwise. You're listening to OCDQ Radio, a vendor-neutral podcast about data quality and its related disciplines from the Obsessive Compulsive Data Quality blog produced by Jim Harris. Visit ocdqblog.com forward slash podcast 
to find ways to subscribe to OCDT Radio and get links to the blog post summaries of every episode. You'll also find ways to contact me, Jim Harris, if you're interested in being a guest on the show or if you would like to discuss sponsorship opportunities. So be sure to visit ocdqblog.com forward slash podcast for more information about OCDQ Radio. And now, back to the show. On this episode of OCDQ Radio, we are discussing how to get started with big data with Phil Simon, author of the new book, Too Big to Ignore, The Business Case for Big Data. In the age that we have now, where there's so much out there for consumable content and, and network television is struggling to come up with series that people will watch, you know, Netflix has had some reasonably good success lately with, with creating some of its own original programming by actually looking at, like you said, the types of programs people were watching and the thematic elements and use that to almost create a data-driven television series, a new Kevin Spacey series on Netflix. Yeah, House of Cards with Robin Wright Penn and Kevin Spacey and Kate Merritt. It's interesting, Jim. They spent $100 million on that. That's a big bet. You know, Netflix spends about $2 billion a year in content acquisition costs. So when you're making bets like $100 million, like I said, you're never going to be completely certain. But if you can minimize your risk, you certainly want to do that. They have the data to back it up and said, okay, we, we believe this will help us. You know, the pros outweigh the cons. But it's very interesting the way they use big data. For instance, if you were a fan of Fight Club, which I am, David Fincher directed the first two episodes of House of Cards, and he also directed Fight Club. So Netflix would show me trailers that played up the David Fincher angle, whereas if you were a fan of, for lack of a better term, chick flicks, they might play up the Robin Wright angle. So they, they were taking the same product, very much like Amazon or Google, and marketing it to people in different ways to maximize their results. Which I think gets to the bigger point, which is that you know, the subtitle of the book, The Business Case for Big Data, there is a point to all of this, and it is to advance the business in some way. It just requires, as you said before, that people adopt a different mindset and also that they implement some different tools. It gets into those concerns about data privacy, but with everybody carrying around smartphones these days, we're basically carrying around these GPS-enabled devices. There are a lot of companies out there coming up with some very interesting applications, like some of the best traffic monitoring applications are actually using cell phone signals so they can tell when people are stuck in traffic because their smartphone is on the freeway not moving. (laughs) Which to me, again, does get into some privacy issues. We can have a long discussion about that, but I'm completely with you. Driving while texting, according to my research, is four times more dangerous than driving while drunk. And for an app like, say, Waze, which Google just purchased for $1.1 billion, it's obviously a lot easier if Waze can determine that you're not moving when you're on Route 15 here in Las Vegas at a certain point, as opposed to picking up the phone, even when you're stopping, and texting, I'm not moving. Um, So if the app and the cell phone and all the technology behind it can make that determination for you automatically, why not? And, and obviously, towards the end of the book, I talk about machine learning and, and where we're going with sensors and wearable technology. Big data isn't going anywhere. It's just going to get bigger. Oh, it's definitely going to get bigger, and, and its uses are going to get more interesting. And not to play into the surveillance fears again, there have even been people who are reusing data for different purposes, even in terms of surveillance cameras inside of retail stores, which are typically positioned at areas where people might shoplift for the primary goal of stores' security. 
but they're reusing some of the video footage to try to see where in the store customers happen to be congregating most often to see if they can find a better place to put impulse purchase items or to see how well a new display is doing. So there's lots of ways for people to take advantage of, of data that they probably already have. But I want to come back to one of your earlier points. You talked about the big bet that Netflix had made on House of Cards. And a lot of companies obviously don't not only don't have the data, but don't have the big budgets that companies like Netflix have. But in the book, you said that it's important to, to first aim for little victories with big data. And it's important to have both short-term and long-term goals. So instead of being overwhelmed with trying to come up with a really big project that has maybe a big potential ROI attached to it, try to start small and have some short-term goals. So can you give us a little bit of an example of some differences between short and long-term goals with big data? Sure. It would be very difficult to determine if your employees are fulfilled if you don't have basic information on them, right? Demographics, skills, work history, et cetera, et cetera. That would be a challenge, even if you don't have the small data. So why not make as maybe the short-term goal, collect some of that information and just increase your understanding of them. After you do that, then there's a better chance that you'll be able to make some of those predictions about who will leave and why. You know, Hewlett Packard's done some great work around proactively tapping people on the shoulder going, you may not be thinking of leaving, but according to our data, there's a very good chance because you've been in the role for three years and you haven't been promoted and you're a software developer in Silicon Valley. Everyone wants to do the kinds of things that Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google can do right off the bat. Unfortunately, that's not going to happen immediately. So it is important to crawl before you can run. Like you mentioned in the book, I think a lot of times people don't try to collect some unstructured data that could be very helpful with employee happiness, like their performance reviews or you know, exit interviews from, from past employees that had the same position, and integrating that in a way to help them figure out if someone is looking to leave, let's see if there's something we can do to make them happy. Or if in the exit review, people mentioned that there were specific things that made them leave, maybe we need to revisit our job descriptions or the way we're assigning work to people and, and make better use of, of the data that we do have. You know, not to spy on our employees, but to make them happier because happier employees make for more profitable businesses. Well, this has been an excellent discussion, Phil. A closing thought, you want to give us a takeaway of any advice for people out there who are looking for good first step take with big data? As I said, crawl before you can run. There will be some setbacks, but hopefully it will be more victories. If you believe in the power of big data, all else equal, I'll bet on a company that gets it, or is at least open to getting it more than a company that doesn't. So it's big, it's not going anywhere, and I, I do hope that people will check out the book. Big Data is definitely big, and it's not going anywhere. And we have had a chance to speak with the author of a new book, Too Big to Ignore, The Business Case for Big Data. Phil Simon, thank you once again for visiting us on OCDQ Radio. Thanks, Jim. Thank you for listening to OCDQ Radio. Go to ocdqblog.com forward slash podcast, where you can find links to the blog post summaries of every episode, ways to subscribe to OCDQ Radio via iTunes and a non-iTunes RSS feed, and a link to listen to OCDQ Radio on your mobile device with Stitcher Smart Radio. And you will find ways to contact me, Jim Harris, via Twitter, LinkedIn, and email.
So be sure to visit ocdqblog.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again for listening to OCDQ Radio. And until next time, may the data quality be with you always.